What's up everyone and welcome to episode 194 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, my name is Tim Burtbeck, I am your host and guide through said podcast. Um, and as of tomorrow, by the time you're hearing this, I'll be a vaccinated, well, partly vaccinated boy. I am booked in my first jab of the COVID vaccine, which I'm super stoked for because I was sort of worried that I wouldn't be when things start. Well, things have already started to sort of ease off here in the UK, but in terms of like gigs and stuff coming back at the end of June, I was kind of wary of that. But fingers crossed, all things are go. I'll be vaccinated. So yeah, positive vibes going on over here. Um, just a few things that I wanted to sort of mention off the top of the the show before we get into this week's guest. Um, I mentioned on last week's show, obviously, about all the stuff that's going on in, in Palestine at the moment and mentioned that I am by no means an authority on the on the issue or anything like that. Um, coincidentally, good friends of this show, um, the hosts of the Double Day podcast, they had um, Maha of um, the band No Man on their latest episode. And uh, Maha is of... Palestinian descent, um, her parents are Palestinian, uh, and I, I can't remember if she grew up there or she spent, she's definitely spent some time in Palestine, um, but is a very sort of active person in sort of fighting for, for Palestinian rights. So the reason I'm mentioning this is if you do want to educate yourself a bit further and sort of find out a bit more of the ins and outs of what's going on over there, go over to the Double Day podcast and check out that episode because one, no man are a fucking rad band and two, it's just really informative and really educational. Uh, the second thing I wanted to mention uh, is kind of a little bit of a shitty news. Like, So people may or may not be aware, but there was a bit of Twitter beef recently um, on a band that I was really stoked, stoked about and which is really disheartening, but... Um, the band Hostel Bracelets, they were announced for Riot Fest in Chicago. Um, but when they were announced, it transpired that the person who is kind of their main sort of songwriter and performer hadn't told the rest of the band and essentially was kind of a very shitty person to their drummer. Um, and then from that, several other stories have kind of trickled down. So... Sad to see, again, someone being shitty in the punk DIY scene. So one good thing, well, neither of them are good things, but one positive that I wanted to point in your, de- in your direction, Double Dare. The other one is a bit sad because there's another band who looked to be on the up and turned out to be shitbags. So, yeah, that's that. Um, as always, I just want to kind of also mention... Uh, what we've been listening to this week, um, of course, the new Fiddlehead record uh, between the riches richness, sorry, came out uh, through Run for Cover Records last Friday. Has been literally on loop since it came out. Um, da, 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 the Kay and Asher, K, K and Asher, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, their new record, Dear Lemon House, You Ruined Me, Senior Year. It's a very Marmite record, but it's pretty cool. Um, what else have we been listening to? 
Um, sorry, I'm just scrolling through my phone because I'm very unprofessional like that. And a rapper that I came across actually called Patrick Page II. He dropped a new record called If I Fail, Are We Still Cool? That's pretty rad. A uh, new Big Deal record came out. So yeah, some really cool stuff came out in the last week. Um, so go get your ears on that and give it a listen. Um, I'm going to stop babbling on and I'm going to get on to this week's guest. And this week we are joined by bassist and vocalist of the metalcore band's uh, Stepson. They're uh, Australian metalcore. They, yeah, they're just a really cool band. Their new record came out this year uh, through Sharp Tone Records. Um, I speak to Jaden. I should have mentioned that. Jaden Ridley is the man I'm speaking to on this week's episode. Uh, we get into uh, how kind of obviously Jaden got into uh, alternative music, how sort of Parkway Drive were a big sort of influence on on him. And I, I thought that was a bit of a cliche, but he admits no, like without Parkway, there is no metalcore scene in Australia, which is really cool. Um, we talk about Stepson's really fast kind of intro into like the touring world and stuff like one of their first shows with was, was with counterparts um and we talk about just general touring in australia and how that's kind of feasible with such like huge land mass but a minimal population and and so much more and yeah we obviously talk about the hopes of them coming over to europe in the near future um so yeah please sit back enjoy the chat i have with Jaden, and i'll see you on the other side Right, so joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is bassist vocalist of melodic hardcore band Stepson, Jaden Ridley. Jaden, thank you very much for taking some time and having a little chat with me. I hate always starting these conversations with COVID talk, but Australia seems to have like completely knocked out of the park. So how is everything in Australia at the moment? Are you kind of back to normal? Uh, yeah, like... Normal in a sense. There's still like a few weird little restrictions and rules that I guess in the grand scheme of things don't make a lot of sense. But yeah, for the most part, like kind of back to normal. We keep having like little, I guess, like clusters popping up every few weeks where there'll be a few positive cases come up out of nowhere and it'll just be like a little like localized lockdown. And it seems to be work, right, yeah, yeah. working really well. Like for the majority, the whole country's COVID free. Like the area I yeah. live in, we've never even had a confirmed case. So, oh wow, yeah. So have you guys? Have you guys had any, had any shows since, or are you still not at that stage yet? Uh, Australia definitely has shows um, coming back. Uh, Stepson hasn't. Uh, our first show back in about 15 months i guess the lockdown started like 15 months ago yeah (laughs) Yeah. far out (laughs) um (laughs) oh that sucks (laughs) um (laughs) but our first shows back are in three weeks today so we right okay this time in three weeks i should be walking off stage should be cool that's cool that's really cool well as I said, like I always kind of like to take my guests back to their kind of roots and their origins, so to say. So what was your kind of first exposure to alternative music? What kind of got you into into the, that path? Um, I'm kind of like a weird one because I grew up in like a very small country town. Like 
We've got right, nothing okay. but farmers and like fucking cows. And <laughs> yeah. um, so like my, that sort of stuff wasn't like really around whatsoever. Um, my family are not musically inclined whatsoever. Uh, they kind of just okay. listen to whatever was on the radio at the time growing up. But for some reason, um, I don't know. I was was always drawn to the more like guitar driven, like punk sort of music. Like, mm. um, yeah. you know, a lot of my friends listen to like either country because that's what their parents listen to or like Eminem and stuff like that. But I always loved like Blink-182 came on the radio, Silverchair. I was like, man, this stuff rips. Um, yeah. So I can literally, the only thing I can put it down to is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and that soundtrack. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I couldn't hit my high score unless like a sick punk track was playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess that's where my like love for alternative music sort of came in um, from a very young age anyway. Um, the first time I yeah. got actually interested, like, in playing music was my first day of high school. I never even touched an instrument before high school. Um, mm. And yeah, first, first day of high school, uh, we did like a music lesson and one of my friends got up and played the drums and I was like, Hey, that's pretty cool. I was like, well, if you're going to do, <laughs> yeah. but if you do drums, I guess I'll pick up a guitar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it sort of all started from there. So in terms of like actually like seeking out kind of like bands and, and music, as you say, like the, the Tony Hawk soundtrack was probably the jumping in point. But like, when did you kind of like start discovering like bands themselves kind of thing, like outside of, of that world and kind of digging into that and maybe finding stuff that's a bit more aligned with like the quote unquote heavy yeah, yeah. music side, side of things? Um. I, it would have been when I like hit high school and like started meeting other people that were interested in music. Cause as I said, like my family and that, that just whatever was on the radio kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I always liked the kind of punky sort of stuff. And like um, a friend showed me a band called Sum 41 and I just fell in love. Yeah. That, like Sum 41 was my first ever favorite band kind of thing. Uh, fortunately, I grew up just down the road from Byron Bay. So one time at school, one of my friends came and he's like, Hey man, I'm going to like this heavy metal concert in like a couple of weeks. Uh, see a band called Parkway Drive. Do you want to come? And I was <laughs> yeah. like, all right, I've never been to a concert before. That'll be cool. And yeah, I went to Byron Bay high school just down the road from me. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think the bill was, it was like sweat fest. So it was, Confession, The Acacia Strain, A Day to Remember, Suicide Silence, and Parkway Drive. That was my first ever And concert. that was your first show? Yeah. and That's nuts. It was just because of dad, hey, you want to come to this with me? And, man, it was literally just in, like, a hall at a high school in Byron Bay. And That's it was the so most, crazy. Man, it was the most nuts thing I've ever been involved in. And it was, like, a, it was probably the most defining moment in like music for me. So I just remember watching mm. Parkway and just being in absolute awe. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I want to do that. I want to do yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Like it's weird. Like, cause everyone obviously associates like the sort of Australian, like hardcore metal scene with Parkway drive. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I th 
like it's interesting to speak to someone and who says that like no they are like that band yeah because like i don't know like from our side of the like we don't know whether it's like being sort of contradictive and be like oh yeah it's like it's parkway's country sort of thing but no yeah. it's cool to sound here that like they were that band kind yeah of man they're they're genuinely the kings down here and yeah um they like i cannot understand like how much they changed i guess the the nature of it like heavy music down here in australia um mm. yeah very important band for me so that's cool that's cool so you mentioned obviously as well like when you kind of got to high school like picking up guitar and stuff but obviously we now know you as the bass player for for stepson so where did like that kind of come into it? And and do you still kind of dabble with guitar? Do you dabble with any other instruments? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like, I bought guitars and considered myself a guitarist, but I guess I was never like heaps good. There's always someone who <laughs> yeah. could shred a bit better than me. Um, but I was always interested in bass and I really liked the, like the combination of doing vocals and playing bass. Um, like some mm. of my favorite bands in high school were like, you know, like Bless the Fall. And I thought it was so sick right. how like the screamer played bass. And I thought that was real cool. Um, and yeah, I just bought a bass one day just because I thought it'd be fun. And um, when Stepson sort of started forming, um, same sort of deal. The guitarists were just better at guitar than me. I was like, well, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I was like, I'm keen to play bass. Um, I own a bass, so let's have a crack. <laughs> so yeah there's no uh, there's no big like history or long lineage of bassists <laughs> with me it's just yeah. i just wasn't good enough to play guitar <laughs> that's fair enough um but you mentioned there as well like the the idea of playing bass and, and singing and like you mentioned mentioned best of all with the screamer but obviously your voice is with the two of you in stepson is the kind of the quote-unquote more melodic version yeah so like i don't know like have you had like singing lessons or is it just something that you've kind of discovered like um, the more you do it that you have this tone of voice yeah well how stepson like originally started was we're kind of like a little super group's not the right word but like we all played in different local bands that like we started in like right. high school and we ended up just like we're from like the we spend the entire coastline of australia it's not like we're just guys that okay. grew up together like um you know like across four different states like it, right uh, okay. we grew up so it's literally through music how we found each other just our old bands playing together so my first yeah my first ever band i was actually i wanted to play guitar and like do like the heavier vocals um but we didn't have anyone who could like really I do it. So I ended up just being the vocalist okay. of that band. Um, and it was just like, it was terrible metal core. Just me just like <laughs> seagull screaming, just, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was cool. Like I learned a lot from that. And like my little brother was in the band and it was just cool. And like, we traveled a little bit playing shows and that's how I met all the guys from stepson. Um, and like our first EP, um, it was kind of just Brock did all the vocals. Um, like he demoed with me and we'd like bounce ideas, but for the most part, or pretty much all of it, Brock did it, recorded it all. 
but uh, we mm. pretty quickly found playing it live that he couldn't do every single word in recording. Right. Um, okay. So I started off just doing like the backing vocals to sort of help him out live. Uh, we're like, oh, hang on, this kind of sounds like cool. It's nice having like different tonalities. And as the band progressed, um, I guess we started want to add in a bit more like melody than rather just screaming the entire time. And mm. you know, I didn't really put myself forward as like a singer being like, hey guys, like I can do the cleans. <laughs> yeah. um, it's kind of I was just like the best out of all of us. So I did <laughs> I didn't um yeah, I didn't go in like pitching as a vocalist. I think I kind of just learned through necessity. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think Nevermind Me was the first. Like, I think I did a few lines on our second EP, but we did a single called Nevermind Me. And that was the first like full chorus I sort of sang. Um, and then after that, it kept like, I guess the more I was doing it, the more confident I became and the more involved I got mm. with writing and yeah, our most recent record helped me help you. Uh, I'm fucking singing heaps of it. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you may not have been the, the best guitarist in the band then, but you were, you were the second best. Player, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's cool. Like um, when I, when it first started, it was kind of just like, yeah, this is something I love doing and, super fun it's it's kind of like rewarding in a way now i can look back on our album and like a few songs before that and like i feel very proud about i actually feel like a vocalist i feel like a singer yeah um and it's cool like sort of hitting that level up and it's definitely made me like whereas before i was kind of just doing it out of necessity now i'm like oh no this is my role this like i can do it so now i'm like hungry for more i want to yeah, keep expanding yeah. cool. expanding my sounds my tones um just learning yeah. stuff so i guess like now's probably a good time to get singing lessons <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah for the most part it's just fumbling through the dark and seeing what works yeah, yeah that's cool um and just to kind of backtrack a little bit you mentioned obviously like that first show you went to with like park Dray, parkway suicide silence and all that but like in terms of like an Australian quote-unquote scene, like, obviously, I know around that time with Parkway and stuff, like, there was bands like I Killed the Prom Queen and things like that that were kind of making waves as well. Yeah. But was was there much of a scene that you were kind of, like, going to growing up, like, and sort of finding your feet, or was that something that you kind of discovered later on? Um, kind of. So Australia, where a very large landmass with not a lot of people. Yeah, of course. So when I was like younger, I'd see all these like cool bands from overseas like coming through, but they'd only ever play like the major cities, like as you do. And yeah. why would they come to my shitty little regional town with 5,000 people? <laughs> yeah. um, so like, my closest home city was Brisbane and it's like three hours away. So yeah. being a like 14 year old kid, I could never make it to those shows. Um, but thankfully like, the emergence of Parkway. They were just five um, surfy dudes from just down the road. So because of that band and them growing, it sort of made Byron this sort of area that bands wanted to go to. Um, and mm. we had a really cool scene there. Uh, it was just called Byron Bay Hardcore. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I used to go there 
regularly, man. Like the, some massive lineups would come through, like probably because of Parkway, like, you know, Prom Queen would come through with like the ghost inside and just massive mm. lineups like that. Um, but then there was like a really cool local scene, um, which, yeah, it's kind of died off now, which kind of sucks. But yeah, all through my teenage years, I used to always like just hitch a ride to Byron just so I could see these bands. And it was cool, mm. man. It was like Byron Bay Youthy, it fit like 200 people in it and everyone was just moshing, breaking shit, going nuts. Yeah, yeah. So it was awesome. Because I, I um, was it, I can't remember what it came out now, the little like documentary that Parkway did and there was obviously like footage from that venue yeah. and it's just like, it's just like, yeah, it's just nuts to see like, as you say, like these five like surfities just like absolutely <laughs> ripping in this tiny little hall. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah, it's cool. That's where, but, yeah, I guess that was like my local scene. That's where I used to go to see local bands. That's where I played my first ever show um yeah yeah so you know there's a lot of history there that's cool and then yeah when bigger bands would come through they'd do like the byron bay like high school hall which mm. fit maybe like 1200 people maybe um yeah and then they go to brisbane like two hours up the road and play to like eight thousand river stage <laughs> it's, it's <nuts. laughs> yeah. but it was cool and in terms of like you mentioned your kind of like first band and bands that sort of you did before Stepson kind of thing, was there anything that you kind of like consider like of note that you did with any of those bands, like any tours or anything like that? Like was that kind of your first exposure of going out on the road? Um, I know like Brock and Nick, the other guys in Stepson, um, Brock's the screamer and. Nick plays guitar. Their band, um, that's how I met those guys. Uh, it was a band called Able Tasman. And they actually like did a few mm. Australian like laps and stuff, all self-booked, which is real cool. Um, so yeah, same, same as my little band. Like everything was just self-booked. We just yeah. go out on the road. And it's funny when Stepson started, that's literally how Stepson, like, I guess, started building in Australia because we just book our own stuff and just do our own tours and just have a crack at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say my band necessarily, like my first band necessarily did anything super cool. Like we had some cool like supports, like we played with like prom queen and, you know, hand of mercy and bands like that. So at the time that was like the mm. hugest thing ever for me. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we like, we went into state a couple of times, but we never did any like big Australian laps, but the other boys definitely did like a few Australian tours which then helped Stepson when we first formed because we learnt all the things not to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like all the mistakes we made along the way, like, you know, and trust me, Stepson's made a heap of mistakes since, but um, it was cool. <laughs> it sort of gave us like the leg up to hit the ground running rather than, you know, I feel like a lot of bands take a while to get up off the ground, whereas we were like pretty quick. We pumped out two releases yeah. within our, within a year, did like three tours in our first year, um, landed some awesome support. I think our third show was with Counterparts or something. And we we're like, oh yeah, we're, cool. we're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, And just in terms of like, cause I've never been to Australia, but as you mentioned, like there's a huge kind of like landmass, but not the the population kind of thing. But in terms of like, booking and going on tour in Australia, is it 
an easy thing to kind of navigate or like I guess like when you're starting out is it as you say like finding out the mistakes and, and kind of things like that yeah um yeah in a sense like it's very big but it's very easy to get around I'm assuming it's kind of the same everywhere but um I guess what we did was sort of look at like you know tour flyers that other bands would have <laughs> and, and then just yeah. be like googling that venue and trying to find an email and be like hey can we do a show there um, but yeah, we definitely like spent two days driving to Adelaide to play to 20 people. And we're like, ah, oh, fuck, was that yeah. really worth it? <laughs> um, but I mean, it's cool. I wouldn't change any of that for the world. Like, um, I feel like those long road trips where you're driving for two, two days, you got three guitars across the lap on the back seat. You're crammed into like this little five seater and you're like, yeah, touring rocks, sleeping in parks yeah. and shit. Like, I think that was cool. It definitely made us who we are. Um, and, like, as we've grown and, like, the tours have gone bigger, uh, the band's gone bigger, rooms are getting bigger, yeah. you know, we're starting to fly to shows. Um, I think it's cool that we did all that sort of grind in the start because now we're super prepared for, like, pretty much any tour now. Like, we're the kings of overnight drives. Like, no, no cool. sleep, just punching through. So like we got like a tour routing for European tour and all the shows are like four or five hours away from each other. Like Yeah, yeah. Easy. (laughs) That's so like so I do I do a bit of tour driving and it's so funny when like so I've I've dealt with quite a few like American bands and I'm always like, Yeah, we've got a bit of a drive tomorrow, it's like six hours and they're like, That's nothing. But um, in terms of like when you guys started forming like Stepson, as you said, like you were kind of met through various bands and and different states and whatever. But when you kind of came as a collective to to make what is Stepson, did you always kind of go into it like with the idea of being like a melodic hardcore band, or did it kind of start as something else and like grow into what we hear now? Um, I think we definitely started with the intent of being like melodic hardcore i think like when it first started it was meant to just be like straight melodic hardcore like you know um, and that's sort of what like we were writing at the time um and it was sick but i think because all five of us sort of contribute in our own way and we all listen to such vastly different stuff like you know some of the dudes are like Metallica and Slipknot and other guy mm. like one of the guitarists is just the biggest kill switch engaged sweater you'll ever meet. Whereas I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like I was more like that emo or like pop punk kind of stuff, like Sum Forty One or Taking Back Sunday, um, all those sort of bands. And it's sort of like all side melding together. And I guess we never really like we definitely started as a melodic hardcore band, but we didn't really say we only have to do that um as the right, as yeah, the releases yeah, yeah. went on we started incorporating like more and more sounds and just stuff we liked we don't really have a plan or like set sound uh when we're writing it just kind of what we like at the time and thankfully so mm. far it's worked um <laughs> yeah yeah so like i wouldn't like we're definitely a melodic hardcore band but if you listen to our um most recent album uh help me help you i 
like I wouldn't even really consider it like a melodic hardcore no album. It's like, kind of like it's got a bit of everything. That's the thing. It's like you have like these like genre signifiers and stuff, but it's never always just in that bubble, is it? Yeah. Like you can like even just say like I mean, if we take Parkway as an example, like everyone says that Parkway is like a metal band, but I think they're way more than just a metal band and stuff like that. And it's just like, okay, I'm calling you guys a melodic hardcore band, but there is like, there's elements of emo in there. There's elements of just like straight up metal and things like that. Yeah, so, for sure. But yeah, it's just an easy kind of thing to put your finger on. Isn't yeah, it? I think like, I think if someone really cares enough and they want to listen from like our first EP right through, I think that would be the best way to sort of work out what we're about because you can, yeah. you can literally like hear and see the change as it goes. Um, I think our first EP, we put it out in like 2014. That was when like being as an ocean was like the biggest band ever kind of thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. like that melodic hardcore wave, um, was huge and we were doing that sort of music and we're like that's cool but it's like pretty limited in just that aspect so we started adding Mm. we were like all right let's be like a melodic hardcore band but let's have some like metal riffs and do that sort of stuff and then we're like oh cool well why don't we like put a bit of emo in there and then we started getting real weird and be like let's put some pop stuff and synth in there and stuff like that (laughs) like we did a three-track ambient thing which is like <laughs> i don't even know what genre it is it's what you'd listen to driving <laughs> down the highway at 3 a.m smoking a cigarette like <laughs> whatever genre that is that's what it is that's cool um and in terms of like your i don't want to say sort of like reputation but obviously like as you say like since the the first eps and stuff obviously you've grown like you've got bigger audiences obviously you're doing international things like that but and, and as you mentioned, like one of your earlier shows was supporting counterparts. So, but was there a point when you personally noticed like a shift in people taking notice in the bands, like the more than just like your close friendship group was, was yeah. in support of it. Like you had international listeners. Was, was there a point that you noticed that? Yeah, there was definitely two, two like super big moments where I was like, holy shit, like this is pretty wild. Um, <laughs> so like thankfully we were pretty like well received right from the start and we had like a small but like pretty loyal fan base um mm. and like when we first started we were just thrashing all ages stuff because you know like i remembered being that kid who couldn't go to see the bands because i wasn't old enough right. and i used to hate yeah, that yeah. and like i just used to always think like if these kids like if i didn't go to that parkway show when i was 14 like stepson may ne- never have happened it's like we may not yeah. have wanted to do a band so like i think all ages was super important so yeah we used to hammer that which helped tapes oh yeah um yeah so like we're like pretty like pretty loyal fan base at the start and it was cool like people were singing our words coming to shows um but we played this benefit show in like our hometown of brisbane it was for sea shepherd mm. and wasn't like a massive lineup it it was just like a whole bunch of like really good local bands at the time um and thankfully Mm. we got invited on and like when our set started uh because we were like oh yeah there's like a few more people here than normal but we're like oh yeah it's like a benefit show over here for everyone i think and um we used to always play floor shows so we'd like leave all of it 
instrument like amps and stuff up on the stage and then we just jumped down on the floor because we just thought yeah thought that was cool like close intimate we're about mic grabs um and we're like all right cool just starting our set and like as soon as it started the entire room just rushed forward and like i was like playing back again <laughs> pushed up against the stage i've got the bass sitting up on the stage like still trying to play <laughs> getting crushed against it and i was like holy shit what's going on and like i just remember looking across to brock and brock's like just getting dived on like swallowed by the crowd and he's looking back at me like holy shit um so i think like <laughs> that was when we're like hang on like this could be something like pretty special like every, like and i like it's not even an exaggeration every single person in the room like moved forward and went nuts for that um yeah yeah that's cool so that was like our first moment and that was like still when it was like a pretty local thing um yeah and we're like oh like this is cool and then we started getting a few more um like tour supports uh, we'd done a few Australian laps by then. And the second moment was uh, we got invited to do a band called Storm the Sky. Um, they're like a really cool Australian band. They've broken up now, but that was sick. We got invited to do their uh, album tour in 2017, I think it was. Mm. And we played Sydney and it sold out in advance. It's like 500 kids there or something like that. Um which is like pretty big numbers for us at the time. Um, yeah. And the stage was like pretty big, like something we weren't heaps used to yet. We're still used to playing like small bars crammed in tiny stages. Uh, so we're like, oh yeah, this is pretty cool. And the entire crowd, like I think for most of them, it was their first time seeing us. Um, mm. So it was like a different vibe. It wasn't like the local crowd who like have seen us a hundred times and singing every word. Yeah, yeah. But like the like the noise they were making, like it was like all the front row, like you'd say jump and the entire crowd would move. Um, That's cool. And it was like a cool moment where we went from getting really well received from people who knew us to the first time we'd really felt the love from people who had never heard of us before. And we've like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we sort of won over the entire audience. And then after that, that's awesome. After that show, it's like still to this day, the most merch we've ever sold, most photos I've ever like taken with people. I was like yeah. signing kids' phones. I'm like, oh, do you really want me to draw on this like thousand dollar <laughs> iPhone? What do you mean? Um, so that was a cool moment for us as well. It was like, the first time I saw like, oh, wow, like people care about us, like that like the band. Uh, but the second time was definitely um, a very important moment for me personally where, yeah, we sort of won over a crowd of complete strangers and, you know, mm. all that, like they, they're coming to our shows now. And like that's how bands grow. Yeah. You get a cool support. That's cool. And if you do well, you win over those new fans and hope it translates to your own shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And in terms, just in terms of like that kind of, like, as you say, like, the kind of taking photos and, like, signing things. Like, I've always... Because, like, as I said, the, I've been on tours, but, like, there are a lot of sort of smaller bands and, and you, as you say, like, either they're on support slots or things like that. But you, I've always found it weird when people come up... And even, like, the bands I work with have said, like, this is weird, like, people coming up to them and asking them for photos and, and asking for their signatures and stuff. And I like specifically. I remember there was one band I worked with. They were kind of like a black metal band. Yeah. 
and it was literally like in a tiny pub in in I think we were in Wales and no more than a hundred people. And somebody like bought their record after the show and then like literally instantly opened it in front of them. It was like, can you sign this? And they were like, oh, this is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, what did you kind of find that situation weird? And have you kind of got used to it now? Yeah, I mean, definitely when it first started happening, we were like, what? Like, I think the first few, <laughs> yeah. like the first few times I got asked to sign a shirt, I was like, Oh no! Don't worry, man. Like you don't want me to ruin your shirt, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> like you just, just paid twenty bucks for that. Like why do you want me to scribble on it? <laughs> um, but I don't know what. Like one big thing. Whenever music gets weird for me, I always think back, like to how I was as a teenager and the stuff that mm. was important to me, the stuff that made me feel welcome, included, and what made me love a band more. And it was yeah. It was always the bands that, you know, hung around afterwards and, you know, would like talk to you for a bit or get a photo, all that stuff. And like that meant fucking so much to me as a kid. Um, and then you get those other bands, which were just all about ego and just thought they were the yeah, coolest yeah. guys ever. And like, I just couldn't really connect with the band after like experiencing that. So I just always think back to that. I'm like, no. Nah. And like the best part about music is traveling and like meeting new people. And like, like you and I talking yeah. right now, like if it wasn't for music, this wouldn't yeah, happen. Yeah. Like it's cool. Oh yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like that, for me, that's the best part. So um, at first I was definitely weird that the script was flipped and all of a sudden I was on the other side, like getting the photos and signing and stuff. Um, but I think now I'm like pretty at peace with it and, I, I think yeah, it's yeah. cool. Like, I remember how much that meant to me. So I hope it sort of translates to them as well. And like, I just like mm. meeting new people. I'm always the one that goes yeah. and does like merch after the shows just because I want to hang out. So yeah, yeah, that's. I'm cool. stuck in the van with um, my bandmates. Fucking for, for the rest of the tour, <laughs> I was like, I want to talk to someone else. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. Um, and in terms of like the band like expanding and progressing and stuff, like. And I don't want this to sound like it's diminishing the Australian scene whatsoever. Yeah. But like when you kind of like started getting momentum or even like at the embryonic stages of the band, was it always an idea of to travel overseas or was it just like that opportunity came along and you were like grasped it with both hands kind of thing? Yeah. it's um, Europe is like the pinnacle for us. Like Europe, UK, it's something like all of us have always wanted to do um mm. like we definitely love home australia is always going to be home but like i'd be lying if i said like europe wasn't the major goal like that's right okay and there's so much cool stuff to see um yeah i don't know man it's just been such a big goal for all of us um so yeah um, it's funny we've never really been that phased on america like we never, mm. I don't know whether it was something that we just didn't think was that achievable or just something that never really interested us. And then Sharp Tone Records came along and now like most of our listeners are in America. Um, it's definitely like changed my perception. I'm like, oh, hang on. Like America's kind of cool. I want to like go see that. <laughs> but yeah. um, Europe has always been like from day dot, we were always said like how nuts would it to be playing in this place? Like I remember when we first got the email about like our first European like to offer 
I was like freak, mm. freaking out. I was like, oh my God, this is all I've wanted my entire life. And now I just have to reply, yes. <laughs> like, because <laughs> <laughs> if you've, you've been over here before, haven't you? Uh, no. So our first, you've, have you not? No. Um, personally or the band? The band? No. Um, yeah, we have not been overseas yet. So we've got a few offers. Oh, okay. We've got a few offers before. Uh, but like the Never Say Die tour is the first proper, proper crack at it. All right, okay, that's cool. So in terms, just in like, in terms of kind of like that, I don't know, like, like as you say, kind of that sort of like once come over here, but also like the like the reciprocation, like the like fans wanting you to come come over and and stuff like that, like. I don't know like obviously I know we're having this conversation now but like how do you kind of gauge how you're perceived like overseas if that makes sense yeah um it's kind of weird like when we first started putting out music we we're putting it out on that uh dreambound youtube channel which yeah I, I think it's based in germany i don't know but it's got a massive <laughs> it's got a massive european following um so I guess right from the get-go, uh, all our music, they were just like, yeah, there's just so many comments in the like comment section of YouTube and on our socials just being like, oh, my God, like, come to come to the Netherlands, come to Germany, come to London. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so Europe, like, I don't know if, like, that's inflated, like, our perception of what people want. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll get there and we'll just be the people who comment, like, seven people come and come to Germany and that's all that rocks up. But like, yeah. Um, I think because of Dreambound, our European sort of following has always been really strong from day one, uh, which is cool. Mm. Like when we first started, I was sending way more merch over to Europe than to people here in Australia. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that was cool. And then, like, it was funny, as the years went on, like, America started slowly noticing. Now America's sort of, like, yeah, yeah. sort of the main one for us. It's really cool seeing how it grows. Um, and Spotify, like, you know, love it or hate it, it is, like, a very accessible way for music. Like, everyone uses yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're cool. They give you, like, heaps of stats on where people are listening from and stuff like that. Like Moscow, all of a sudden, mm. has become really high for us for some reason. Yeah, yeah. So. It's I don't know if you've ever delved into it, but Russia <coughs> has a really good hardcore scene. So yeah. I think you like if you guys ever get a chance to go there, I think you'd fit in really well. Yeah, sick man. Like we are just keen to go anywhere and everywhere. Like I know a few. Yeah. Like some bands might be like, oh, I don't know about that, or I don't know. It's like, man, if we can get there. And like somehow pay for it. Like, I don't care if we eat as long as we can get there. <laughs> like, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of like, I don't know, like, because obviously, as I've mentioned earlier, like, we've you've had bands like Parkway and I Killed the Prom Queen and stuff and, and various other sort of bands that have obviously come over to, to the UK and Europe. But yeah. I don't know, is there like any sense of like, australian pride to like like get that step or is it just like i don't know it's just like a next notch on the progression of the band kind of thing uh, like in terms of like australians being proud of you kind of going further afield if that makes sense yeah for sure um it's like 
It's this weird thing. I remember watching like a In Excess documentary. I don't even know if you guys know In Excess. I'm assuming they're yeah, like yeah, massive. Yeah. 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 Well, like the biggest band ever for a while, I'm pretty sure. But um, I remember watching that documentary and one line in it like sort of stuck out to me. It's like to make it big at home, you have to go overseas. And like, I always thought that was so strange, um, but you kind of do see it. Like as soon as a band, like an Aussie band goes like overseas, goes international, all of a sudden people at home start paying more attention. And yeah, yeah there is like a certain level of pride. Like um, when we announced like our European tour or when we announced like signing to Sharp Tone Records in America, like it wasn't just fans from those areas, like commenting on our socials and going nuts. It was like all like our Australian friends and family just being like, holy shit, this is so huge. Like so proud of you guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's definitely like an Aussie, like very strong Aussie pride thing. Like whenever I see an Australian band on like a sick tour bill overseas, I'm just, yeah, you always get like that little win and you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really cool. That's cool. Um, and like all Australian tour packages crushing it overseas, that stuff's cool. I remember. Yeah, yeah. It would have been probably 2019. I don't know. Before, just before the lockdown, um, it was Northlane, Polaris, and Void of Vision. They did a European tour and like most of the dates were selling out and stuff. I was like, that's so cool seeing like three yeah, Aussie yeah. bands just go over there and crush it. That's cool. Um, and just in terms of like, the music like the musicality of the band like we've already kind of mentioned like obviously it's a mixing pot of like all different sounds and stuff and in doing sort of like research for this like reading up like stuff that kind of went into help me help you like there's obviously sort of like thematically there's a lot of kind of like personal stuff in there and, and things like that but like I don't know like have you guys always kind of like had that sort of idea of like wearing your heart on the sleeve with with what you put into the music or is that something that you've kind of focused on a bit more now with the full length no it's definitely been something we've been about like right from the start like credit where credit's due brock is like the main lyricist and um Mm. him and i vary on the same page where it's like it just doesn't feel genuine singing about something that isn't real to you um yeah and i think the cool thing about like our style of writing is we'll take like a very very personal specific experience to ourselves um but the way we write it and deliver it is like in a relatable way so you know the amount of times like people have said like man like i listened to this song and i thought it was about me kind of thing um yeah yeah. we've sort of always sort of had that angle um and, you know, there's a few songs in there where we try to, like, put a positive twist on it. Like, um, I guess El Star will be like, you know, things are bad. We know, like, what it's like and then it gets better. There's always sort of hope. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's important in music. I feel like, you know, if you hear an amazing song, sonically you're like, wow, I love this. I want to listen to this again. But if you can connect to the lyrics and add that extra attachment to a song, um, it just makes it that much better for you. Mm. And just because like, you kind of touched upon what I wanted to bring up is that kind of relatability. And like, I'm very much a person that is 
like I gravitate towards like lyrics and vocals when I'm listening to music. And I think like that kind of response from people can sometimes be like overwhelming for the band, like because like you have people that like connect on it to such an extent, as you say, like people will be like, I thought this was about my experience and, and whatever sort of thing. So I don't know, have you, you may not be able to speak about it because as you say, Brock's the main sort of vocal, like lyricist sort of thing, but have you had experiences where people have kind of reached out to you and been like, yo, this is connected on X, Y, Z level. And you've been a bit like, Oh shit, we weren't expecting this kind of thing. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, with I've had so many of those like moments, sort of personally. I won't delve into them too much because obviously that's a very personal moment between me and Seth. Yeah, the yeah, person. No, of but um, yeah, there's like there's been some people who, like, I think the most gnarly one. It was like, there's some young like young girl from Mexico or somewhere. And she just sent us a DM on Instagram one day, just like out of blue. And I was like, Hey, you guys may never see this, uh, but I just want you to know, like things haven't been going real good for me. Uh, I was ready to end it all. And I listened to your song and it stopped me. So. Wow. That's not, man. I remember reading that. I was like, Holy fuck. Like, that's yeah, like man. that's pretty powerful it like rocked me like i was like i'm so sorry you're going through that but i'm so glad like like you know plenty of people exaggerate and say oh this song saved my life or this band saved my life yeah yeah um but you know that that was very real for me like you know if we didn't make that song there could be a beautiful young person lost so and we mm. like we well yeah, it's yeah, sorry, sorry. It's, <laughs> it's heavy. Um, but you know, that that was very confronting. Um, but I guess that's like a very important part of like why we do songs like we do. Um mm. and if if we didn't feel that, if we didn't mean that, we wouldn't put it out, kind of thing. Yeah. Um Yeah, so there's that, and then there's other times where it's just like someone. Um, it'll be like a sad song and they're like oh man i really like really like this song it reminds me of what i'm going through right now like oh that sucks <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like glad you like the song though <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's nice and it's nice the spectrum it's um yeah yeah and just in terms of like obviously the the release of the record like it's well documented that because of everything that happened that you kind of had to sort of put a hold on things for a while until, until the record kind of came out. And obviously that's affected not just yourselves, but so many bands. Yeah. But like, I find it interesting how bands have adapted and kind of how they, they now sit with, with a record that they maybe recorded and had ready months and months ago. So now that we're at a point where the record is out in the world, and you guys, as you say, you're you're set to be touring soon. So, like, where do you sit with the record now, like, more than a year later since it's been recorded? Like, yeah, how do you feel with it now that it's, like, out in the world? Like, what's your relationship with it? I think the biggest, like, biggest thing is relief. Um, mm. Just because I guess, like, the full length has been coming for so long. Like, we realised, like, four years ago that we're like, all right, full length next and then it's just like <laughs> yeah. and then it's just being like 
so many hurdles and like cool things that came along as well like um like sharp tone records and everything like that definitely mm. um like through no fault of their own it's kind of us just being a bit precious but um you know we definitely drew out like the signing and negotiation part because you know it's this is our baby and we've been so DIY yeah of like, course you know like I've always been our booking agent. Like I've always been our manager. Like there's no one outside of us kind of thing. And all of a sudden, yeah, like, yeah. you know, this big, like awesome record label comes in and goes, Hey, we love the band. We want to work with you guys. Here's a 26 page contract. Sign it. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> yeah. you're like, uh, hang on, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> go, go think about this first. Um, we actually said no to our first record deal, um, like the first offer from Sharp Tone, which was the scariest thing of my entire life. Like, <laughs> like they could have so easily just been like, okay, fair enough. Like, yeah, yeah. thanks for chatting. And <laughs> just moved on to the next. But thankfully, um, they had a lot of belief in the band. They pretty much said like, look, we love the band. Um, there's plenty of bands doing what you guys do, but we think you do it the best. Um, which mm. was a massive vote of confidence. Um, but yeah, they're pretty much like, um, we want to work with you. Tell us what we need to do to work with you. I was like, cool, give me a moment. And then I just went and asked everyone what we needed. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so like that made the process so much longer, um, just getting that deal right. But like, if there's any young bands listening to this right now, just trust me, take the time to get it right you know get a lawyer to look over everything you know labels aren't bad they're not the big bad wolf out there trying to get you but it is a massive decision and you gotta oh you gotta get it yeah. right um so thankfully um like we couldn't be happier with sharp tone records they're awesome um they're very patient which is awesome if you're working with us <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um but yeah, like having the album out now is just a massive relief. Like after every sort of stepping stone we've taken to get here, um, it's it was so funny because there was so much like stress and pressure leading up to it. And when it came out, there was all the hype and just excitement of having it out. And like you know, every couple of hours, just like checking, just being like, "Ooh, like what's happening now?" Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been funny, like the last sort of week. I think I wouldn't say burnt out because I'm still feeling good, but it's definitely like the last little week I've just been like, ah, I'm not looking like I just, <laughs> I just let yeah. it do its thing now. <clears throat> um, but yeah, today was the first day since well in a long time. Cause before it was out, obviously the focus was getting the record out. I mean, when it was first out, yeah. it was, we're like, no, the album's out, go promote the album. Today was the first time I had a thought was like, all right, what do we do next? Do we start working on yeah, LP2? Yeah. Like we've got heaps of demos ready to go, but we're like, yeah, today I was like, hmm, we should probably start working out what's next, which is like cool and That's starting cool. again. Yeah. And just like because you mentioned like it's you kind of had that thought of like, right, full length next kind of thing. That was kind of what I was going to ask because obviously you've, You've done like these kind of like six track EPs and the, the the other EP as well, but like which shows you you have the capacity to build a, like 
an amount of material. Yeah. But was it daunting to like make a full length or were you excited to to put it all in one baby, so to say? Yeah, I think like for me personally, I'm sure all the other guys like experienced it a little bit differently. But for me, like right at the start, I was like mainly just excited. I was like, ah, full length. It's just double the length <laughs> yeah. of an EP is easy. Just doing two EPs, sweet. Um, but like when we started doing it, we're like, I started like wigging out, just being like, shit, like we need, we need to step this up in every single way, like songwriting, like yeah, production, just art, like everything had to be a level up. Cause yeah, it, like if you're not doing that, then like that's the goal, isn't it? Like you want every release to be better than your last. Um, so I think we nailed it. It's easily the proudest piece of work I've ever been involved with. Um, mm. But yeah, it, it was definitely a roller coaster of emotions from excitement to just pure panic. <laughs> when we first got all the instrumentals together before we like even like tied everything together i just remember listening to it and because the songs are so diverse i was like hold up we may we may have fucked up here (laughs) 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 right well Jaden, i really really appreciate you taking the time to have a little chat with me but before i do let you go how i like to end this is to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. And I don't know, you might be able to answer this a bit differently because you are currently prepping to go on tour, but we'll we'll, we'll go with it. What's your favourite Stepson song that you'd like to play live and why? Hmm. Um, well, it's kind of tough because we haven't played any of the album songs live yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favourite to play live would be This Is How It Feels. Um, just because it's got, I know it's just got like heaps of like cool little rests in it. Um, and just like a real, like jiggy sort of vibe. So the whole time I'm just like bouncing around like this thing. (laughs) And And, like, you know, it's one of our biggest ones. People always singing. So, you know, I'm just bopping around. It's it's cool because I don't even have to sing half the time. I just stand back and go, oh, (laughs) you guys are nailing it. Um, (laughs) so yeah, that's probably my favorite to play live. Um, which is a stark contrast to my favorite stepson song, which is Deep Asleep. And I just know that that song is going to be a nightmare to play live. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's got a pretty funky bass line, which, yeah, man. you know, it's, uh, it's all good when you have 70 takes to do it in studio, but live you got one shot. <laughs> so <laughs> perfect well as i said Jaden, thank you very much for for your time really appreciate it and yeah we look forward to to having you over here very very soon yeah very, f- fingers crossed so fingers yeah. crossed um i'm so excited man like nothing will stop us getting uh to europe it's just uh, a yeah. matter of when so I, I say I say nothing will stop us getting to Europe and a pandemic has literally stopped us from getting to Europe. <laughs> but you know Perfect. what? Well, yeah, thank you. Yeah. But yeah, thank you again for your time, Jaden. Take care. Awesome. Thanks, Eves, man. Cheers. So there we have it, folks. Again, a huge thank you to Jaden for taking some time to have a little chat with me. 
Uh, as always, if you want to keep up to date with what Stepson are doing, you can do so by visiting all their various social media. Why do I keep doing that? Media platforms, uh, which we will be linked in the episode description. Um, I will also put a link to that Double Day Your episode just because I think it's worth people checking out. Um, as always, you can support this show by following us on our social medias. It's just underscore and underscore insight on both Instagram and Twitter and just an insight podcast, excuse me, on Facebook. Um, and we will also be rolling out our, our second charity, well, the submissions for our charity sampler soon. So if you want to still support the one that we've got current, currently going on, uh, it's supporting Heads Above the Waves organisation, which is a non-for-profit organisation which helps people, and well, young people specifically, but more people in general as well, uh, with their mental health. Uh, so that you can go support that, send a donation. Uh, it's justaninsightpod.bandcamp.com. Um, again, link will be in the episode notes. I think we've raised about £125 so far. I'd like to get it to an even sort of one fifty before we roll out the the scheme for the second sampler. So please go head over and support that. But yeah, anyway, that's enough for me. Thank you again for stopping by the Justin Inside podcast, and I'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>